The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hey everyone, welcome back to Friend of a Friend. It's your host, Olivia Perez. I'm a journalist, interviewer, and the creator of the show where we get to sit down, make a new friend, and go inside the minds of some of the most innovative and creative forces shaping our world today. I am absolutely obsessed with today's guest. She is someone that I got to meet early in my 20s in New York City, and she's someone that I always turn to for advice. Her Instagram is a goldmine. She's someone who I have like frantically called many times asking advice for LinkedIn because she is truly the master of the platform. And she's someone who I know if you reached out to right now, she would give you the best advice. Her name is Kim Kaup, and she is a founder, keynote speaker, and a -a one-of-a-kind teacher who has built a business on creating the ultimate feedback loop. Her first company, ZinePak, later known as the Superfan Company, garnered global praise for being named one of the Wall Street Journal's Startups of the Year, to actually being featured on season five of ABC's Shark Tank, where she secured offers from four out of the five sharks. After running the company for 10 years, she went off on her own and made it her mission to give back to the next generation. From worldwide stages to online courses, Kim's mission of investing in yourself, your career, and your network has garnered the praise of some pretty incredible clients like Amex to TEDx. The most importantly, she has literally become LinkedIn's favorite mentor. She serves over 200,000 students through her entrepreneur-focused LinkedIn learning courses. And in this episode, Kim gives us a crash course. I hope you guys love this episode and you learn a lot. Honestly, Kim is one of those people that I know that if I have one conversation with, I will walk away feeling like I have learned something new or gained a new perspective. If you haven't followed the show yet and you find yourself coming back and listening, take the time to follow it and leave us a review. And if you love the show, share it with your friends. I love seeing when you guys are listening. So take a screenshot, tag me on Instagram. I will always reshare and usually say hi. Thank you guys so much for tuning in today. I appreciate you all. Here's my friend, Kim Cow. I wish you guys could see Kim right now. You guys most likely will somewhere on Instagram. But the setting that she's in is like delicious. You know, Texas, everything's bigger. Everything's bigger. How are you? Good. How the heck are you? I'm good. Tell us where you are. I know that you moved. Like, this looks beautiful. Like, I'm so happy for you. It does not look like Manhattan. I'm in Austin, Texas. And yeah, everything's bigger in Texas. I did a cartwheel in my living room the other day for no other reason than I could without hitting something. And that just felt like a really adult moment that I was super proud of. I was like, you know what? I've made it. You've made it when you can do cartwheels in your house without hitting things, I think. I don't think I could do the splits in my Manhattan living room. Yeah, no. In my Manhattan living room, like you, there were no cartwheels going on. No. Not in the hallways because there were things hanging. Your foot might graze it. It just would be hard. Um, But no, Austin, Texas, I have a fig old tree. I have a newfound appreciation for plants. I feel like an old person. I'm like, this is, wait, this is my snake plant. I don't know what that is. Here's the thing. Like you need the space and the sunlight for plants. Like I had cute little ones in my windowsill, but like that was about it. I think I nursed a few back to health, back to like life in Manhattan, but nothing like what I'm looking at with you right now. Like that's a real passion. Nothing grows in Manhattan except for like regret. Like just like egos. Exactly. Those are watered and those flourish, but, but, but living plant organisms, not so much. Wait, so why the move to Austin? Tell us all about it. 
probably very much like you. New York is a magical, wonderful place. It's not really like pandemic friendly. It's it's yeah. sort of like I am legend vibes. And <laughs> there are some people that do really well with like camping and apocalyptic situations. And I'm not one of them. Um, yeah. I would probably die if there was a real zombie apocalypse. Like I just wouldn't make it. And I know that about myself. So it was like, we can't stay here. And we were super fortunate and to be able to work remotely. And so we picked up and we came down to Austin, Texas, where Fernando, my fiance is from, and yeah, it's his hometown. And so we sort of set up shop thinking we were going to be here a couple weeks. And I put those in like bunny ears because everyone thought they were going to be somewhere else for a couple weeks. Um, and that was a year ago. So <laughs> jokes on us. <laughs> I'm so happy for you for this new life in Austin. I feel like it's a perfect place for you. And I just, I'm, I'm kind of jealous, honestly. I'm pretty excited. It's also just after living in Manhattan for 12 years, it's a new adventure. Like I'm like, oh great, new things to explore, new people to meet, new places to go. So yeah, it feels, it feels very adventurous. I mean, I will never forget. And we will, I promise guys, I'm going to start asking her questions soon, but I will never forget one of my favorite things that you ever posted was for your most recent birthday, because I'm, I'm an adventure bug like that too. I love to like, especially when I was living in New York, I was all over the place. Like I was in all the boroughs. I was always trying a new restaurant. Like that to me is like my favorite thing to do on the weekends. And also was a big reason why I started my company. So when I was here during COVID and I had moved back to LA during COVID and I like hadn't been here in like 10 years, I was like, oh, I want to go try something new, but I couldn't really do that. So basically Kim, her last birthday, you posted, you asked people to give you X amount of things to do that also coincided with your age, right? Yes. I was like, I'm going to do 35 things in New York that I've like never done before. And some of it was like slightly embarrassing. Like I had never been to you know, governor's Island. And I lived in New York for 12 years, like things that were like, you should probably have done that like at some point, but there's just so much to do in New York. And also you get a little jaded and you get like, Oh, I don't want to do that. And so, yeah, I feel like we lose that sort of adventure spirit, but now hopefully the California, your numbers are really low. You can get out there and like explore new things because you haven't lived there in 10 years. There's a lot of changes, a new stuff to check out. I actually think that my favorite part about it was that people get very egocentric about their cities. The recommendations that people were giving you were really, some of them were really touristy. And I think as people who live in these cities and have been there for so long, you're like, why would I go do that? But it's actually, it makes up a huge part of your city. And there's so much like heritage and culture there. And like, I think we just overlook them because we are jaded. So I genuinely think because I grew up here and I'm still kind of a native, like, I think I'd have to do what you did on Instagram and be like, I'm back here again. Tell me what to do. Like, I literally ask my friends sometimes being like, where do you go out at night? (laughs) Where where does one go? Yeah, where does one go to see the humans? I want to see the humans tonight. I think you should totally do that because I bet bet a lot of the answers would surprise you. Totally. In like the best way. But so I am like beyond thrilled to have you on the pod today because I don't think him knows it, but like she has been a like digital mentor of mine for so long. She is such an incredible entrepreneur. And I think for me as a, as an innocent viewer of your journey, you have done 
an extraordinary job of going through your journey, documenting it in a beautiful way, and then also finding a way to take the nuggets out of that and share it back. And I think that's a really, really hard skill to do. So I admire you. I'm so excited to have you on and really get into the nitty gritty of that. Uh, I am excited too. And yeah, there's a lot of nuggets because I think we all make like so many mistakes. (laughs) It's like a, a plethora of mistakes, a buffet. We'll be right back after a quick break. This podcast is brought to you by Athleta, a performance lifestyle brand for women committed to unlocking their limitless potential. The guiding principles that drive every design, beauty, innovation, and sustainability. Each style is crafted for the unique needs of female bodies in motion. And this summer, Athleta is your go-to shorts destination. Distraction-free and ultra-lightweight, their shorts are designed so nothing can get in the way of you and your goals. From bike shorts to Bermudas, run shorts to everyday staples, they have your shorts. This summer, I have been living in my Accelerate shorty. They are truly the perfect short short. I have them in black, so I wear them every single day, and they're so versatile, I can really wear them with anything. Whether I'm pairing it with the Aurora Crop Rib Tank, which I got to match as like a perfect little set, or I'm just throwing a hoodie over it, they really are the perfect shorts to get me from point A to point B, beginning to end of my day, no matter what I'm doing, whether it's errands, actually doing a workout, heading to meetings, it really is the perfect set to keep you feeling strong and put together all day long. So in honor of short season, Athleta is encouraging us to leap with our legs, whatever that looks like for you. Whether it's running a new personal record, climbing to new heights, or standing up for what you believe in, let your legs lead you forward. And summer is the time to really celebrate the legs that move us forward. So find your new favorite pair of shorts at Athleta and let your legs lead the way. Visit Athleta in stores or online at athleta.com to shop their full range of shorts available in sizes extra, extra small to 3X. Hi, I'm Dr. Deepika Chopra. My passion, calling, and job is really all about blending together holistic practices with real evidence-based science to help people around the world cultivate more optimism, success, and resiliency. You won't want to miss this new podcast as you'll get to hear from elite athletes, recording artists, couples, and maybe even my toddler. So if you're into arming yourself with some new practical happiness tools, join me on Mondays for your morning optimism dose. Oh, and don't forget, things are looking up. I love that you call yourself an accidental entrepreneur because I think it's just so ironic because so much of what I do on the show is I try to connect dots for people. And one of my favorite questions to ask is always like, in reflecting back on your childhood, are there moments where you saw bits and pieces of what you're doing now? And you on your website are straight up like, no, 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 I was not the lemonade stand kid. Like I bought the lemonade and walked away. So I want to hear a little bit about what that means to you, what kind of being a accidental entrepreneur is. I, you know, it's funny because I, I can see your question and connect the dots. There are aspects of my childhood that I'm totally living today. And then there are aspects of my childhood that just like do not match up. So exactly what you said, like I was buying the lemonade. I wasn't starting the lemonade stand. I wasn't, you know, starting the lawn mowing conglomerate or the babysitting ring in the neighborhood. Like I was not entrepreneurial. And I think a lot of the press that we see, whether it's Richard Branson or Gary V or, you know, any of these other kind of traditional entrepreneurs is like, I've had it from the start. Like I always knew when I was five and I was hustling, you know, the kids in elementary school. And so like, that's this narrative that that's played out. And so I think what happens is when people get, you know, to a certain age, even if entrepreneurship does present itself, they're like, well, that's not for me because, you know, 
to quote Maybelline, like maybe she's born with it. And you're like, well, maybe she's born with it. And I wasn't born with it so that I can't do it. And Mm -hmm. I think that another important narrative is like you, my dream job was to work in corporate. I was like, I really want to work in a magazine. I really want to work in New York, you know, have my Sarah Jessica Parker working in a magazine, Sex in the City moment. Um, I didn't want to be an entrepreneur. Like that, that was my dream. And, you know, I'm very thankful and and extremely privileged to have have done that. But I think it's also really coming in and saying, what parts of childhood do I see in myself today? And for for that, it's a lot of, um, I was an only child growing up. And so I knew in elementary school that if I didn't set up play dates for the weekend, it was going to be like me and my Barbies chilling for like, until we got Monday back at school. So starting on like Wednesday was like a switch turned on in my brain where it was like aggressive friend connecting. Like, Hey Katie, want to ask your mom if we can hang out on Saturday? Like, Hey Natalia, Sunday's free for me. Like what's Sunday looking like for you? Like just aggressively trying to like set up play dates because I knew that if I didn't, there's going to be no one to play with. I was an only child that like, that Oh my God, my it's baby LinkedIn. Yeah. It's baby LinkedIn. Totally. So I think that, you know, I really understood the power when people talk about mentorship, when people talk about your network connections, like I understood that at a very young age and then just sort of continued that of really, I, I, I talk about it. Like if anybody's ever hunted Easter eggs and you kind of like run around and you're collecting all the eggs and you're sticking them in your basket, like I really do feel like I do that with people where like I meet you and I'm like, oh my God, lips amazing. Boom. I'm putting her in my basket. And I don't think twice about like, well, how am I going to use this person? And what can they offer me? And like, what strategic value is there? Like, no, you meet an awesome human, like no questions asked. You put them in your bucket and like, you keep moving on and maybe you visit your bucket and you work with them, you know, or you're on their podcast years later and maybe you're not, but you collect the interesting humans along the way. You don't just let them go. You, you pick them up and you put them in your bucket and you keep them in your bucket. Uh, and then you keep going. But I think that so few people do that. They, they don't really have a bucket and they don't really store them anywhere. I think I've been in Kim's bucket since I was like a tiny wee 20 year old. I think it was my first time ever in the Hamptons. I was like, what, what am I doing? It was like, what is this place? What's going on here? Um, yeah, but I think it's also so much of it is, and this is a problem in New York and LA and I'm sure around the world as well. So much of the judgment happens by like how old you are, or maybe Mm. like your social status or something like that. Whereas I just always feel like, you know, an awesome human when you just like vibe with them and I can't explain it. And there's no like pros and cons list. And like, it can't show up on an Excel sheet. It's just like a vibe. And when you meet a human like that, you keep them. You're like, you are an awesome human and it doesn't matter anything else. Like you're an awesome human and I'm keeping you. Definitely. I love that. So your website right now reads that you help leaders become public facing powerhouses. I've done it and I want you to join me, which I love, by the way. So cute. (laughs) 10 years ago, you founded the Superfan Company and you ran that for 10 years and you were on Shark Tank where you got four offers. You were on Forbes 30 under 30. It was a massive success for you. But I'd love to hear a little bit about what the journey has been like going from running your own company 
to this pivot to where you are now, where it's essentially an epic feedback loop. Yeah, totally. And I think what's been really interesting, you know, the past 10 years running a marketing agency that specializes in, in fan engagement and also running it with, you know, really amazing clients. Like, I, you know, I never dreamed in my life that I would be working with Taylor Swift, that I'd be working with Paul McCartney, that I'd be working with the New York Mets, that I'd be working with Oprah. Like to this day, it like blows my little peanut brain that like I got to work with these people because they're the best of the best. And I think what I realized is a lot of the the inner workings when we're looking at those marketing teams, when we're looking at how they think about interacting with at the time when I started 10 years ago, again, you know, I always like to remind people when we started the company in 2011, there was no Instagram, there was no TikTok, there was no Snapchat, there was no Spotify. You know, we were living in a very different world in terms of how people consumed and how people really thought about engaging with others. And now over the course of 10 years, we've obviously seen an explosion in connections and an explosions in ways that people can access each other uh, and continue to access each other, whether it's Clubhouse or whether it's any of these new platforms that are taking shape. And so what I think it's really interesting is what, what I really saw at the beginning of kind of 2019 is I was like, huh, a lot of the stuff that I had been working on with some of these big name acts, like more and more of that is becoming true for podcast hosts. It's becoming true for CEOs. It's becoming true for people who have small businesses. Like they are also now having to think about how am I engaging with consumers? How am I showing up on social media? And before it kind of used to be like a, a champagne problem, like, oh, I'm not Katy Perry, so I don't have to worry about that. And what I've seen is like this transition of like, oh, wait, now everyone's having to think about that. Now other now we're really having to say like, how, how am I as a human engaging with others, whether that is on social media platforms or whether that is on other public facing endeavors that you're doing. And so what I was really excited about and, and kind of felt like, called to do, uh, you know, the universe kind of kept sending me signals before it like got a baseball bat and just kind of like swung at me was like, I can continue to help my, you know, kind of superstar clients and, and will continue to help them, but really feeling called to serve, like, well, what about everybody else? And what about all this stuff that I've taught you? You know, the universe is saying this to me, like that I've taught you over the last 10 years. And like, why aren't you sharing that with other people? Like, why aren't you sharing that with other founders, with other CEOs, with other experts, with other, you know, other media creators? And that's when I was really like, oh man, I can't keep all this goodness to myself. Like, I really have to start sharing this because if I don't share it, then it just kind of goes to waste. And so that's really what I've been focusing on, whether it's starting like this live, you know, podcast show that I do on LinkedIn every Wednesday, or whether it's um, this live learning cohort that I'm going to launch in the fall, just really saying, how can I continue to teach people why their brand matters? Um, even if they are, you know, a manager at Bank of America, or if they're a podcast host, or if they want to be an Instagram influencer, like everyone has to think about these things. Now it's no longer a luxury to think, well, that doesn't apply to me. Definitely. And I remember when you first started posting coffee with Kim and I, here she goes drinking her coffee. <laughs> I feel like I'm watching like a You're show that I love it. in real life right now. 
Um, I remember when you first started posting that and I remember they were super quick. It was just, you could tell that it was something that Kim had just experienced in that day and like immediately felt called to share it back. And there was something so visceral about that. And you don't just have to be an entrepreneur to enjoy it. And I remember, I think I was walking down the street one day and I was so late. I was running from like a bunch of meetings. And on that day, Kim posted this one being like, hey, here's a little pro tip. Like if you set an hour meeting, stick to the one hour, like check your watch and like 10 minutes before you're about to like finish the meeting, be like, hey, we're about to run out of time. Like, let's talk about some next steps here so that like I can make it to my next meeting. And I was like, so simple, so effective. And it was these like tiny little moments that you were experiencing in your everyday life that were just so impactful. Well, and it was one of those things that it's like, I saw the commonality in you and some of our other friends that like, we're all dealing with the same thing. So it's like, how are we sharing? Like, here's a tip that worked for me. Maybe it'll work for you. Oh, you tried that one. Let me try that one. Oh, you tried calendar blocking. Let me give that a go and like, see how that works. Like, you know, really kind of saying maybe if it works for me, it will work for you. Maybe it won't. Maybe you'll have to find another tactic or something else that works. But like to this day, especially as we, as we come out of COVID, I used to set alarms on my phone because I know myself, I would get talking and, you know, it'd be really great during a meeting. I don't wear an Apple watch or anything. I know some people have it set to vibrate. So, so there's an option if you have an Apple watch, but I would actually set my physical alarm. And if I knew the meeting had to end at two, which meant I had to get on the subway and go downtown to make it to my 30 meeting, you know, at one fifty, I would set an alarm and I would tell people at the beginning of the meeting, like, Hey guys, at one fifty, like my phone's going to go off. Don't be alarmed, but like, that'll be our signal to wrap up. So it was like really upfront, kind of clear on the table because I was so sick of being like epically late because if I was late yeah. to my 11 o'clock, I felt so bad for the person at my four o'clock because it would just spiral out of control. Out of control. And, and yep. that happens to everybody, no matter where you are. But so I'd love to hear a little bit about the strategy behind that, because I think, you know, you have a beta coming out, you have coffee with Kim, you have all these different portals, you have courses, you have like, she's literally a school on the internet, <laughs> which I am a happy attendant to. But I want to hear a little bit about like what that process has been like, because I think the last time I connected with you, maybe a year, maybe a bit more. I have no gauge of time anymore. You were, had first started doing coffee with Kim. So I'd love to hear a little bit about that process and that journey of building out these different platforms that you know would be most and like best use for your audience. It's really funny because you would think after being an entrepreneur for so many years that I would like understand how it works in terms of She's about to tell me there's no strategy. <laughs> no, most most people say like <laughs> I have a business plan, I'm going to make this cupcake place, you know, this is how I'm going to make the cupcakes, this is our this is how we're going to scale and we're going to raise VC money and it's going to be a DTC plan and like all this stuff. And, and I think that's great. And I always tell people if that is how your mind works, like off to the races, that's awesome. But I also think that we shouldn't discount, or I know we all have some perfectionism. Like I can't post that Instagram picture because like my belly looks a little weird. Like there's this kind of weird perfectionism that almost it's like analysis paralysis. Like I can't even start. I can't even try because it's not perfect. And if it's not perfect, I don't want to do it. And what I have like, thankfully, whether it's good or bad, really taught myself to do is sometimes 
you just have to throw spaghetti against the wall. Like sometimes you just have to be like, I don't know, I'm going to make these 60 second Instagram, like coffee talks, and maybe they're going to be awesome. And maybe they're going to suck, but like, I'm not going to know unless I try. So like, let's just do it. And I think that if more of us got that sort of attitude, like got out of our own head because it's our own voice. Like it's not your friend being like, well, that was a really stupid Instagram post or like, that was a really weird thing you tried. It's us. Like we're our own worst critic. But then once I find something that works, like in this case, like the coffee with Kim started as 60 second tips that were kind of one way on Instagram. And then I realized, oh, this is really great. But like, there's no dialogue back and forth. Like there's no way to talk to people. Okay. How can I expand this? Okay. Why don't I do something live where I can interact? Okay. Well now people are saying, well, where did you get that tip? Well, I actually got that tip from my friend Liv. So let me bring Liv on so that Liv can just give you the tips herself because they're coming from her anyways. And then we can all have a discussion about it. So you can see this like through thread, but it wasn't like I knew from the start, like, well, phase one is going to be me by myself. And phase two is going to be me with other people. And phase three is going to be like sponsorship deals. Like it's sometimes I think we lose the art and you can see it with kids because kids will just play kickball for the love of playing kickball. There's no like strategy. Like I wanted to play kickball because I really wanted to win. It's like, I just wanted to play. And I think as adults, we like lost the ability to play. When I think about the evolution of kind of coffee with Kim and how I got to this spot, what it started as, which is like 60 seconds tips on Instagram is very different from where it is now, which is like a weekly live show, sometimes with guests, sometimes with just me. But I can see that there's one clear line like through it all. I get that. I love what you were saying about the, about like the childlike, like ethos to it all. Because I do think in, in what you were saying where you're like, sometimes you just have to throw spaghetti at a wall and see what sticks. There's a very large amount of that that has to do with vulnerability that I don't think us as adults like to partake in. No. Because there is a childlike aspect to it. It's like, okay, you're putting yourself out there. We put up walls so that we don't get hurt and we don't get afraid of things. So yeah, I, I agree that I think so much of so much potential is untapped out of the fear of vulnerability. And someone actually posted something on the internet the other day. I can't remember the exact quote, but it was like, I just sometimes want to sit at home and do the things that I love doing when I was a kid and not be judged for it. Like I want to just like have those simple joys. And I was like, it's really true. Like all of those things that we used to do just for the joy of it without an ulterior motive or without fear of being judged. Like that's something I even try to do now is like, how can you bring that ethos and that joy into what you're doing now where not everything has to have a KPI? Exactly. And I think so much of what we've been taught, you know, it's good or bad. We have access to all these phones. We have access to these AIs. We have the insights, the technology, like Instagram reels, just announced analytics. Amazing. And it's kind of like, well, is it amazing? Like, is like what happened to just making things regardless of what the analytics said? There's so much more to the number of it all. And I think the way you impact a person whether it's one, whether it's 5,000, a million, that's what really counts. The conversations that you're starting, the feedback you're getting, like that's what drives me. Well, and it also, you know, I always tell people that there's a difference between like quantity versus quality. Like, yeah, you could have somebody who has 
500,000, you know, people following them and they have a lot of influence, but maybe they're influencing them on a very superficial level. Whereas you could have somebody else that has 500 followers that is like life changing for the 500 people that are following them. So you're also looking at like, well, how, how deep are you really going? We'll be right back after a quick break. With each passing year, especially this past one, I feel more and more like splurging a little bit on the finer things always ends up being worth it. And in my experience, fine wines have never let me down. So I'm very excited to share with you guys today's sponsor, Penfolds. Penfolds is one of Australia's oldest and most iconic wineries. And over 20 years ago, they started exploring our gorgeous California soil with an ambition to create wines unrestricted by vine, border, or continent. Penfolds actually imported South Australian vines into America and planted them in California soil so we could have the best of both worlds. Over the past three years, Penfolds has sourced grapes from quality winemakers. All their wines are made in Napa Valley with Penfolds winemakers on the ground, in the cellars, and in the vineyards. The vibe is very parent trap to me. Remember how Dennis Quaid's character owned a vineyard? Very dreamy and idyllic. I wish I could be there. And today, Penfolds has released its inaugural California collection, made from Napa Valley and Californian grapes, which includes four brand new red wines. So technically we can be there too. I want to share with you guys two wines in particular that I love because I know that sometimes finding a wine can be a little bit tricky. So I'm going to give you my cheat sheet. The first is the 2018 Bin 149 Cabernet Sauvignon. Bin 149 is known as the wine of the world. It combines prized Napa Valley Cabernet Sauvignon and South Australian Cabernet Sauvignon. This is the ultimate wine. It's the best housewarming gift, or even something I pop open when I want to treat myself or I'm celebrating. There's also the 2018 Bin 600 Cabernet Shiraz. And this is your go-to for anything. It's smooth, easy, and always a crowd pleaser. To learn more, follow Penfolds on Instagram or head to penfolds.com. That's P-E-N-F-O-L-D-S.com. Now let's get back to the show. I'm really curious to hear what your documentation process is actually like, because I think that there's in the spirit of vulnerability, like if I'm dealing with something shitty, I'm dealing with it like in my tornado and I'm not sitting there being like right down the gem out of this. And that's actually something I'm trying to work on just as like a growth, a personal growth strategy is like, how can you look at this moment and write down the learnings from it? But you also do a great job of turning them into gems. So what is that process like daily? Like, are you taking notes? Is it notes on your phone? I tried doing like the journaling. I tried doing, there's a bunch of them. It's like morning pages versus the five minute journal versus there, there's all these different programs that you can get on. I can't get into those. I can't get into them. Thank you for saying that. Cause then I'm like, am I the only one that can't get into these no. things? I can't yeah. get into them. So I, I've not found that that works particularly well for me. What I try to do is I do a lot of my thinking on runs. I've been taking a lot of walks outside and what I have encouraged people to do and and just kind of like paint a picture for anybody who's listening. Sometimes I like to think of our brains as like a one-way street. And when the one-way street is clear, you can kind of get those aha moments, those bright ideas, that solution, that learning lesson, no problem. But if like a dump truck comes and like parks on the one-way street, those ideas and stuff, they can't get to you because the street is blocked. And what I think ends up blocking a lot of our time is, you know, whether it's incessant podcast listening or Netflix or music, or like very rarely do we just sit with our own thoughts. Like we're, we're constantly like a fire hose. There's TikToks to watch. There's reels to scroll through. Like 
You can't just stand on the Chipotle line and stand there. You can't just go for a run and run. You can't just watch TV and only watch TV. You have to watch TV and be scrolling on your phone at the same time. Sometimes it's just being super conscious of like, let me remove the dump truck. <laughs> like, let me just go for a walk without my headphones. Let me just stand in like the Dwayne Reed line and not pull out my phone. And it's during those times, or let me cook dinner without playing music in the background, because it's usually during those times that I get all of those sparks of like, whether it's a solution or, oh, that's what I learned from this. Or like that, that was a really great point. I didn't notice that before, but you know, we've made it really easy to distract ourselves. And when we distract ourselves, we can't really get any of those learning lessons or, or big gems. One of my favorite podcast guests was talking about this almost a year ago at this point. Wow. And she said, you have to make space for intuition. It's the only way that you can actually hear your thoughts. If you don't make space for it, there's no way you can actually know how you feel. Well, I will build off that and say, like, I also have been a big advocate that you have to make space for serendipities. And I think sometimes we're so overscheduled right now that I always say to people, like, go to that coffee shop, go to that party, go to that thing. Even though you don't know everybody that's attending, maybe you don't have time because you don't know what serendipities are going to come out of that. And the minute I started to lean into like the whole serendipity theory, the more all of a sudden it was like, I'll give you a perfect example. Uh, this was probably in 2019. Uh, I was living in New York in the Beekman, which is at the foot of the Brooklyn bridge. And a friend texted and said, Hey, funny enough, I have a breakfast meeting in the Beekman in, in downstairs in the restaurant in your building. Why don't you come down and meet the people that I'm meeting with? And I thought, Oh, I'm super busy today. Like I don't really have time for that. And then again, I leaned into the serendipity and I said, you know what? You're in the building. You're having, you're having breakfast anyways. Let me go down there. The meeting that I was able to kind of crash with this friend who had invited me was he was meeting with people from Oprah's team. And that led wow. to me ultimately being hired on to Oprah's team to work on her 2020 vision tour. And if I had not allowed that serendipity to happen, I don't know if that would have, that project would have ever happened. I don't know if we would have met under the right circumstances. So I always tell people like, lean into those serendipities because you never know like who you're going to meet or what's going to happen. And so much of my success is because of these happy accidents that I just so happened to meet the editor from Forbes. I just so happened to meet Oprah's team, but it's really leading into the serendipities. Oh, wow. I love that story. What a crazy kismet moment for you. Totally. And I, I have like a hundred stories like that. So guys invite me out yes. to coffee or breakfast or something. <laughs> Just Let's do something. Let's go to coffee. So I have reached out to Kim. I can't even count how many times <laughs> at this point over the past couple years and been like, Kim, navigate my ship on, on LinkedIn. Like, what is this place? Tell me what to do. Why do you have literally thousands of followers? How do you do this? What's going on? Kim is quite literally the queen of LinkedIn. She is an incredible re resource to so many followers on there. And she's really utilized it to like its best use scenario. So I think that this is something that is like really under discussed. And I think so many people my age, both of our ages, like can really benefit from utilizing LinkedIn in the way that you are. And by the way, like I'm going to be taking this advice to you guys because my LinkedIn is pathetic. So I want to hear a little bit about what that moment was for you in realizing that that platform 
was a gold mine. I mean, I think it's, you know, LinkedIn, I joke is like the weird cousin at Thanksgiving, right? Like it's not the cool, sexy, it's not clubhouse. It's not TikTok. It's not like any of these cool, sexy platforms. It's, it's one of the oldest social media platforms. So it's been around for 18 years, which most people don't realize. And what they also don't realize is one of the only social media sites that's actively crawled by Google. So it is actually feeding Google's SEO, which doesn't happen on Instagram. Um, It doesn't happen on Facebook. So when you're putting on all these great tips and tricks and things on Instagram, that's awesome. Google will never find it. Uh, They do not allow Google to crawl Instagram, but it does crawl LinkedIn. So when you're putting out tips and tricks and articles and lives and newsletters on LinkedIn, that will actually come up in your Google results. And most people don't realize that. And I think we're also just in a golden age right now of LinkedIn, because kind of, if you remember like Facebook back in the early days before you had to pay for everything, that's sort of where we are with LinkedIn. Like you you can have crazy organic growth, very similar to TikTok without money behind it, which I think is so rare right now on social media platforms. So I always tell people it feels like the 1940s, like gold rush, where it's like, come on down um, and collect all this gold. I don't know how long it's going to last. I don't know if it's going to be forever, but like the gold's here. So let's get it while we can. And I would also say like, if, if you're like, Oh, Kim, like the thought of LinkedIn is just horrible. I don't want to do it. Like if you do nothing else, like zero optimize your profile, that's if you never want to post content, you never want to engage fine. I mean, I'll be a little disappointed, but fine. Like just at least optimize your profile. And if you need help with that on the homepage of my website, there's like a free resource, like a download where it probably takes like 30, 45 minutes to like optimize your profile. But at least then again, people can find you, you will be searchable. So if you do nothing else, like just do that. Okay. So that's available on your website. And it basically, it's not, I'm just like going to go to bare bones here because I feel like people are still very unfamiliar with LinkedIn. It's not like a button you press. It's a full thing you're going to walk through to make sure that everything is appropriate to be searched. Exactly. So most people don't realize that very similar, like if you go on youtube.com, you can type in how to tie a tie or how to fix a broken plate. What people don't realize is LinkedIn, which was bought by Microsoft about two years ago, they have also updated a lot of their algorithms and backend. And so now LinkedIn is searchable. So you can go on a LinkedIn and search, search podcast producer. You can go on LinkedIn and search social media editor. You can go on LinkedIn and search publicist. And what it will do is it will pull up everyone that has publicist in their profile. And so what most people don't realize because they haven't realized that that change has happened is they haven't optimized their profile for that searchability. So you might be like the best podcast host, or you might be the best, you know, freelance designer, but if you don't actually have the words freelance designer in your profile, then somebody who types in freelance designer, like you won't show up in, in the results. So very similar to YouTube, how they were able to turn their search engine bar into really kind of questions or things that you're thinking about. You can think about LinkedIn in the same way. What's your favorite facet of LinkedIn that you think people underestimate? I think most people underestimate that it is for most people, it is on page one of your Google results. So, you know, if they search Olivia Perez podcast, your LinkedIn will actually come up on page one again, because it's one of the only 
websites that's crawled by Google from a social media standpoint. And so I think ironically, people spend all their time on Instagram or all their time on Twitter, and that's naturally not showing up on page one of Google. And for anybody that has friends or has interviewed for a job, what's the first thing people do? They Google. Your friend says they're dating a new guy. You're like, what's his name? I'm I'm Googling him. I hope he's not a psycho killer. Or you see somebody's name on a Zoom meeting that you don't realize. What's the first thing you do? You Google them. So like, it's the first thing people are doing about you is they're Googling you and that's coming up on page one and you're not even paying attention to it. So it's kind of like setting a first impression by default and setting, instead of setting first impression by design. And I'm, I'm more about like design than default. I remember when I was trying to figure out the crazy waters of LinkedIn, you and I were talking about connecting versus follows. And I want to know what you think has been the key to your success of growing on LinkedIn and aggregating all these people that are now following you on there for advice. You know, for me, I think it's really about adding value on the platform. So really sharing Um, You can think about like those BuzzFeed listicles, top 10 things or two things I learned, or here's three things that I think are going to be true for the future of podcasts in 2022. Because at the end of the day, people really value your experience and everyone is smart and talented in whatever industry that they're in and you have unique insights. So I know for me, like, I would love to hear your thoughts on where you think podcasts are going in 2022. I would love to know what equipment you're using for your podcast. I would love to know how you think about what guests to bring on. And so that's the type of stuff that if you create that type of content on LinkedIn, people are like, oh my gosh, like I've been wanting to know the answers to all of these things because you are an expert and a resource in this area that I am a novice in. Welcome to my mentorship session. (laughs) I hope you guys are all enjoying it. Yeah. I would like you to write all of those things out that I just said, like, where, where is that information? I mean, if Kim tells me to jump, I say how high literally like anything she does on the internet, I follow. So you better believe that I will probably start to outline something for my LinkedIn after this. Yes. Or anywhere. Like I tell people, even if you're not going to do it on LinkedIn, like whether it's a blog or something like just write down your expertise somewhere because there is someone who's right behind you that wants to do what you're doing and doesn't know where to start. I see you as kind of a, like the like LinkedIn big sister to so many people. You are an incredible mentor. And like, I think what I love about you is that it doesn't, you've kind of reframed what mentorship feels like to me. It doesn't need to be this like weekly thing where you check in and Hey, are you accomplishing goals? Like, I just think that social media, LinkedIn, YouTube, TikTok, all these places have allowed us to find people that we see ourselves in and consider them mentors, even if we've never met them before. Oh, totally. I have mentors that have no idea I exist. Like Sarah Blakely from Spanx, like is my mentor. Oh my God. I've met her before. She's so cool. She's the best, but like, she doesn't She's know my so name. Cool. She doesn't, it's not like we have weekly, to your point, we don't have like weekly phone sessions. What do you think makes a good mentor? I think what makes a good mentor, well, I have a, like, I get on a soapbox about like mentees like what you should be doing to like find mentors and engage mentors. Like that's my soapbox. But I think what makes a good mentor is somebody who's willing to give you like the truth. And sometimes that's things that like you don't want to hear or that you maybe aren't super excited about. But I think what makes a good mentor is just someone that's going to really kind of 
give it to you, like tell it like it is. I want to go back to the soapbox though. <laughs> what's, what's the shtick with mentees? I think my, my two biggest tips, like if you want to get a mentor, like that's something that you think is interesting is I think so many mentees make these two big mistakes. And number one is they think the mentorship stops when the phone call or the meeting is over. So you set up 30 minutes or you set up an hour at a coffee shop, whatever it is. And you think the mentorship stops after that 30 minutes, or you think the mentorship stops after that hour. And I always tell people like, you should be asking for homework. Like what's a podcast I should listen to? What's a newsletter I should read? What's a Twitter account that you follow? Like the learning doesn't stop just because the meeting is over. So you should continue to learn. And then the second part is you should report back on that learning. So whether it's a couple of days later, a couple of weeks later, a couple of months later, Hey, I, I read that book that you recommended. It was really great. Here are my top three takeaways. Hey, here's that. I finally got around to listening to that podcast. You know, do you have any others that are like it? I found it really insightful because I feel like I've mentored at this point, probably anywhere from 50 to hundred people, all different ages. And I would say very few of them actually report back one, very few of them ask for homework. I usually give them homework and then I tell them next time, ask me for homework, but I'm going to give this to you anyways. And then number two, I'll say, come back to me when you've read the book, come back to me when you've listened to the podcast. And so very few people do that. And I think that it's, you're missing this whole other opportunity for additional learning because you just kind of think that, oh, you know, the mentorship session has stopped. Totally. Well, if you guys want to go find Kim online and distantly get mentored by her, she's Kim Cap on Instagram and on LinkedIn, Twitter. Twitter. I would say it's really easy to find me on Instagram because all you have to do is you start typing in Kim Kardashian. So (laughs) K-I-M-K-A and then there'll be me. So I'll be the Kim K less curvy. Phenomenal searchability. Phenomenal searchability. Phenomenal searchability. What is a must know item from your playbook? A must-know item for my playbook would have to be to ask for forgiveness and not permission. I think so many of us kind of like wait, we're hesitant. What's my mom going to think? And what's my friend going to think? What's my boyfriend going to think? And sometimes you just have to like go for it. And if people get upset or they don't like what you did, then you can always say, I'm sorry, but don't, don't ask for permission. I've now kept you two minutes over our time and I know you're going to be late to your next meeting. I love you. I appreciate you so much. I'm so happy for all of your success. And like, I'm giving you the biggest virtual hug right now. Um, Thank you for joining us today and for giving us just the most gems. Guys, go update your LinkedIn's like right now. (laughs) Thank you. I'm so excited to get to know your entire community because you're amazing, which makes me think you've only collected amazing humans. I try. My, My Easter egg basket is getting heavy these days. Best feeling ever. Best. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Friend of a Friend. Before you go, make sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and at tiermedia.com. And for more behind the scenes of the show, visit us at friendofafriend.us and follow me at Liv Perez on Instagram. Don't forget the two Vs. See you next week.